welcome back everyone to another episode here at the Music Therapy Podcast with Giving Song. I'm Kristen and I'll be your host today. I have a very special guest and colleague with me today, Amanda Turnbull. She is our PRN employee here at Giving Song and a really great friend of mine. Amanda lives and works in mid-Missouri and has her master's degree from the University of Kansas in music therapy. Welcome, Amanda. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit more about you and your journey to music therapy. Sure. So I um, was very active in choir in high school. I've loved music my entire life. I was surrounded um, by music pretty much every day of my childhood. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. um, And so from a very early age, I was exposed to a lot of bluegrass and country music. Um, And so it's kind of literally always been in the background of my life. So um, I decided to pursue music in college. Um, I went to Truman State University and I got my bachelor's in in music and my instrument, my main instrument is voice. Um, and during my time in college, my mom was actually diagnosed with small cell carcinoma, um, but her cancer was on her larynx. And so they needed to do some pretty intense radiation with her. Um, and that was pretty scary. And it actually ended up looking like um, kind of like a mask that they put over her and and kind of like bolted her to the radiation table, which is pretty terrifying. Um, And the only way that she could really get through that other than medication, medication can only do so much for her. um, The only way she could get through that was asking the radiation nurses to play music for her while she was in and while she like had this like, really constricting thing over her face and neck. Um, and so that's like kind of what even, I guess, prompted me to look and see if music therapy was a thing. I had never heard of it. Um, this was 2009-ish. Um, didn't know that music therapists were out there. Um, I had maybe heard that it could be a thing. Um, so I literally just started Googling it. Um, and the more the more I looked and the more research I read, the more that I felt like that was a fit for where I wanted to go. Um, I was kind of at a hard place. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to be in the classroom teaching. I mean, singing was my passion, but I wasn't sure exactly if I was ready to do that yet. Um, And so that's what led me to looking into uh, master's programs for music therapy. And I ended up going to KU, uh, University of Kansas, where I had an excellent experience, excellent education. Um, And here we are now. I am so uh, thankful that you shared that. That is just so vulnerable. And I think that that um, has given you such a great uh, connection to music therapy, really seeing that it was so powerful in your mom's life, in your life as you were growing up as well. Thank you very much for sharing that. Sure. So tell us a little bit about um, kind of your career, your music therapy career so far, the populations maybe you've worked with, and um, how you kind of came to to Mid-Missouri. Of course. Um, I've actually had a really great opportunity to kind of work 
a little bit in, in many, many areas. Um, even from the time I was in grad school and we were doing our like clinical placements and our like practicum, um, I was really fortunate to kind of work in through a span of um, acute health care, through um, rehab and nursing elder care, um, and then as well as uh, early intervention. So that was kind of what I had to, I felt like I had to choose from. The one area that I hadn't worked in um, prior to my internship was mental health. Um, and I remember thinking that I was really not interested in that. Um, and of course, as soon as one thinks that they're not going to do something, that is exactly what they end up doing. Um, and so I, <laughs> right, that's yes. like, I think a very valuable lesson that we will all learn at some point in life, maybe many times. Um, so <laughs> yes. I, um, I ended up doing my internship at Marillac Children's Hospital in Overland Park, Kansas, um, which is an acute psychiatric hospital. They also had long-term um children there as well for long-term placement. I, I ended up really, really feeling like I found my fit in mental health. Um, and so right after my internship was complete, I um, worked at Vallejo Behavioral Healthcare in Topeka, Kansas, um, which is a very large community mental health center. Um, and I worked there for about three and a half, almost four years. Um, and then after kind of like having one kid and then quickly finding out I was having another child, I made the decision, my husband and I made the decision to move back to mid-Missouri. And it was um, kind of, I, I guess it was fate because within a week of Brad interviewing for a job, I was very lucky to see that Kristen had a position with Giving Song in Columbia and it just really was amazing. Um, so with Giving Song, I've worked uh, mostly in public education and public school setting, um, and in particular at uh, a school um, for um, severely disabled children. Um, that was something that I had not done a lot of, especially in a school setting before. I had mostly worked um, with like private clients through therapy. So that was kind of a whole new world, um, but just a wonderful, wonderful experience. I met fantastic people, fantastic children, um, and I and I still do miss them to this day. I know they just they grab your heart, don't they? they the do. whole staff and family. I know it's just a a wonderful family there at the school that um, we served for so long. Um, and uh, you did an amazing job, and I know you made such an impact on the time that you were there. Um, but as uh, we can move on from uh, kind of moving forward. What are you doing now? Tell our listeners kind of the journey that you've had the last two years and, and kind of where you are now. Sure. So I am currently not doing music therapy full time. Um, I was able to have an opportunity presented to me to work uh, at the university that I graduated from, Truman State. Um, and in particular, this was exciting for me because um, I am now in a role that is um, an academic counseling position with a program that I was part of in my undergrad years that was um, the entire reason that I was actually able to pursue a, 
a graduate school education. So I currently work for the McNair Scholars Program at Truman State University. Um, and my program is dedicated to helping uh, first generation and income eligible as well as minority students prepare um, and access grad school. So I am doing that, um, which isn't actually that far of a cry from what I was doing before as a music therapist. Um, there are so many transferable skills that I have been able to utilize um, from just like my music therapy skills to even like the counseling skills that I've gained from working in, in mental health. It's been honestly a pretty smooth transition. Um, and it, for me, it was a necessary transition at that point in my career. I was around um, the five, five year mark when I went ahead and made this choice. It was hard to make this choice. I kind of felt like, you know, this is the thing that I've set out to do. This is my passion. Oh my gosh, like, is it okay for me to, to go down a, a different but somewhat similar path? That was something that I kind of wrestled with, I think. Um, but having two small children, um, I will tell you, it's very difficult to session plan with multiple instruments when you have two toddlers. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so, so for my family, um, it was a decision that was hard in some ways, but needed in other ways. Um, yeah. And I, and I was thankful that, you know, with you, Kristen, that I was able to still maintain a connection to music and to music therapy and especially to maintain a connection to music therapy here in Northeast and Missouri. Um, that is one of my passions is to um, help, help people access things, as you can see, like mm -hmm. accessing grad school, accessing music therapy. That's yeah. um, having grown up in a rural area. It's, you know, you, you be, you begin to see the trends of who is able to access things, um, where the disparities are. And, um, you know, I want to be someone who, who can help move those barriers. Yes. And that's one thing that you and I had in common immediately when we had our first uh, interview conversation was um, just that we had such a passion to bring music therapy and just access to the services here in Missouri. And so um, one of the other things I want to say, this this poor girl, she she commuted from <laughs> <laughs> she commuted to Columbia from uh, which was over an hour drive for her and with two little. So yes, it was um, a good choice for her and her family. And um, although it was very sad to see her not be able to, to work with us full time, we have definitely had that connection still. And she is very much part of our team and um, of the culture here and, and brings a lot to it. Um, she's also, what she didn't mention, has done a lot of kind of pilot programs and offered and created access in her area, in the Macon and Kirksville area, and um, made a lot of connections while also having a full-time job at Truman. So she's a rock star, let's just say. And <laughs> she has so much passion for what she does. And, um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, your training as a music therapist really kind of has influenced your current role. Um, do you have any specific um, ways that, that music therapy specifically has, um, has influenced that? I think every day 
at least once, probably multiple times a day, I think about how incredibly valuable it was for me to learn about the ISO principle of music therapy. Um, And that can translate across many, many fields. Um, And it has been particularly helpful for me. Um, Meeting with students, sometimes I'm the first person to hear of, of something, either, you know, it could be something incredibly great and we're celebrating, could be something very traumatic. Um, and being able to meet people where they are, I think just in general, um, is so helpful and so validating to the people that you're working with. Um, I think that that has been incredibly helpful for me. Um, the other thing that has been, I think, something that music therapy has helped me with is kind of (laughs) the ability to concurrently assess and document progress. Um, That has been incredibly helpful as well. I mean, as we know, music therapists are constantly assessing. We're constantly um, thinking about, okay, how can I extend this idea? How can I adapt it given what I'm, what feedback I'm, I'm receiving? Um, and that is very helpful in the classroom, um, as you can imagine. Um, so I've been able to use that. And most of the time it goes pretty well. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. I just, I can see that those um, skills are so um transferable into the into the career that you're in right now in the position and I don't think at all that that this is the last um that you won't be doing music therapy in your future I think that it's it's in you it's in your blood it's in your passion and so um I think that you are going to continue to to grow and then even in the you know next career hop that you may possibly have is um learning so much from the position that you're in and I think that's so important for all of us, especially in this time of pandemic, when so many music therapists might be having to switch careers. And um, just really want to encourage those that are out there that are maybe in that situation that just because you're not doing music therapy right now, or you've um, had to move away from that for the financial security of your family, or for yourself, or just um, health, or or anything like uh, any situation, that you can always go back to it and that there are so many skills that you can take as a music therapist into the role that you are now. And um, Amanda has beautifully presented um, multiple ways that she's been influenced by her, her previous music therapy experience to now. Right. Absolutely. And like one of the things that was a bit of a surprise to me was how much I needed to revisit music on my own terms, mm-hmm. which um, sounds kind of funny because you think, okay, well, you're a music therapist, you're doing music all the time, but that's kind of exactly like the thing that's hard is that of course, you know, I'm doing music all the time, but I'm very rarely ever doing music for me. And by the end of the day, I didn't have any energy left um, to really seek that out. Um, and so it's been, really cool to be able to um, kind of like suggest musical interventions to students who are very, very stressed out. Um, I have had students come to my office and have 
exhausted most coping skills or so they think. And then they mentioned, yeah, I played the piano for 12 years. And I'm like, please go across campus and lock yourself in a practice room for 30 minutes and do that, you know? Yes. And, <laughs> and they look at me like, uh, okay, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, this is evidence-based. Go do it now. Um, <laughs> so, um, th- you know, that was, that was somewhat of a surprise, but also I was able to find myself in, in another role in my community with music, um, through being a choir director with my, with my church as well. So again, something that I had not really truly done for a very long time in directing a, a, a choir that was not, you know, through a therapy setting. Um, but something else that kind of helped me ground myself back in why music in the first place. Yes. And that is something you and I have in, in common is the choir directing music coordinating position. And so I'm, I just am so excited to hear what, you know, how do you think that music therapy has influenced that? And, you know, um, aside from, or in addition to, I guess, just it being so therapeutic for you to be in the music and doing it for enjoyment and coming back to the reason in which you came to this in general, um, you know, this profession in general. Um, what other ways um, do you see those those connections? For me, the community aspect of making music is particularly healing um, and is particularly valuable. And what I've been able to do through working with a choir has been um, just that. It's been amazing to um, kind of take something that is um, kind of like becoming more uncommon and is dying, so to speak. There are not a lot of congregations out there that continue to have choirs. Um, that's something that, especially like in 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 my area um, of Northeast Missouri, that's something that there's just not a whole lot of anymore. Um, and so to be able to kind of like encourage that and encourage that growth um, for individuals, but as well as like a cohesive choir, that's been really important. Um, my music therapy training has also given me kind of the unique opportunity to provide insight and to help um, encourage that in my choir members. You know, I we always take time um, at the end of choir rehearsals to to reflect and to share and to talk about the meaning. Um, sometimes I really nerd out on them and I talk about like how the composer is really smart with like doing this musically or how this doesn't make sense or how this is like ironic um, given, you know, given the text or given the intervals or the harmonies or um, something like that. And so my choir members, which are mostly like over 50, over 60, are, are very amused. <laughs> and it always gives people a good laugh. But in, in all honesty, to be, to be able to have that moment where you're doing this incredible thing and you're in the art, you're in the music together, and then to be able to, to even just sit in the silence for a minute um, with that feeling of, you know, that catharsis is incredibly therapeutic and it's incredibly powerful. Yes. 
Yes, I I remember that so well, just the fellowship. And I know also that could get us into a whole whole other side of, you know, just how hard it is right now for us all not to be singing together in this time of pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, just a moment ago that, you know, music just really reinventing what your relationship with music was. And I think that's so important um, for us as music therapists, because that is a, a big reason why we kind of step back is um, from music therapy. And I remember that well in my own um, journey for burnout. And so what are some some ways, especially in this time, that you could encourage music therapists or musicians in general who really get a lot of power from that fellowship singing? Um, do you have any, any hints or tricks or suggestions for us to, um, to con- keep the music going, um, even in our social distancing? Yeah, I think I've already actually like seen you do this a few times, Kristen, is um, the use of social media, mm-hmm. <laughs> which seems like a no brainer. Um, but I know around my hometown up here, we had like a quarantine challenge going on. And it actually, I think, was meant to be just kind of this little thing that ended up growing to span weeks and had like hundreds of people from outside the area participating. Uh, And it was great. And I think the whole joke was like, whoever wins the quarantine music challenge gets like a pack of toilet paper, right? Um, Which is, (laughs) which is hilarious. And at the time, like we were all very worried about, (laughs) about that. Right. Um, So I, you know, I saw so many like incredible talents that I had no idea were even out there. Um, People that I see at the grocery store that I was like, where did this come from? And why have you been hiding it? Um, (laughs) that's been great. Um, one of the things that I was able to do as well is obviously I'm not leading a choir right now and I likely won't be leading a choir until there's a vaccine. At least that's what, you know, the, the choral associations are recommending um, because singing with a mask for extended periods of time is not safe, especially for individuals who are um, more Mm -hmm. at risk, you know, for breathing problems. So, Basically, when this all started, um, I sat down with my church team and we said, okay, we're going to figure out how to do this. We're going to figure out how to bring music to people um, without like being in front of people. And so we spent hours recording things for Sunday service. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I truly honestly think that that was one of the things that probably kept my husband and I sane was being able to like step away for from you know the stresses for a moment and just do nothing but focus on music yeah and so if it's possible you know in your life i would i would encourage anybody out there to to try to to quiet the noise, whether it's noise like on the outside or whether it's noise on the inside, like within your own mind, through just diving in and being in music, whether you're listening, meditating, um, or maybe you're actively, you know, singing or playing, um, just just do it and make yourself do it. Set a schedule, um, set a reminder, and give yourself that opportunity. 
I think that is such good recommendations because, you know, as music therapists, we know, we know how effective music therapy is or how effective music is and just boosting our mood and boosting our overall health and our immune system. I mean, singing for 30 minutes a day is so beneficial for, you know, all of these uh, variety of, of um, health health measures. And so right. I just love that. Thank you for recommending that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I know that you are, and like I said, ladies and gentlemen, she is a rock star. Um, she's, you know, not only has her full-time job that she's literally rocking and she's a choir director and bringing all these wonderful connections to her community. And she's so community-oriented, and you got a little sneak peek at that today. Um, but she also is a mama, and she has two littles, and they are precious and adorable. And I know that as a music therapist, she has um, that has influenced her parenting. And so can you share just a little bit about, um, you know, how, how maybe that has influenced your your parenting and um, if you have any resources for any family, any uh, other mamas or music therapists or any parents in general. Sure. Yeah, this has been really interesting. It is actually something that I reflect on pretty regularly. Um, I, yeah, I've I have like complicated (laughs) thoughts and feelings (laughs) with this. Um, I mean, of course, parenting is complicated with lots of thoughts and feelings. Um, Yes. So one of the things that has been really powerful and beneficial is how I've been able to foster connection with my children through music Um, from the time they literally like exited the womb. um, I think I've maybe had a handful of days where I haven't sang to them or sang with them. Um, That's something that is really an important part of the structure for our family. Um, I make sure that we have music wherever we can. We always have music on in the car. Um, and I and I encourage them to explore different kinds of music as well. Um, being, you know, from a rural area, we're kind of surrounded by certain types of music because truly that's what we get on FM radio, right? Um, but I, I've tried to be pretty intentional about um, exposing them to different kinds of music with different instrumentations from um, kind of like all over all over the world even um, but most importantly we spend we spend time singing together um, mm-hmm. we spend time singing together at night of course at bedtime um, but it's been fun as they've gotten a little older to also see how they've grown in confidence with sharing their voice um, and it, there is like literally nothing that like warms my heart more than hearing my three and four year old singing in their car seats, you know, when they think I'm not listening. And of course, like mom is in the front <laughs> crying because, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because it's just so amazing. It's just so precious. And um, that's something that has been so beautiful to see. Um, you know, and, and to kind of connect to that, especially for my son, um, who was born with um, an incomplete cleft palate. So he had a cleft in his soft palate um, and he had his palate repair when he was one. We've been doing speech therapy 
ever since from the time he was one until like he had a session yesterday. Um, he has made incredible progress and now has really kind of a, like a, a mild um, articulation disorder. Um, so we're very grateful for that, but being able to even like bring music in or musical, um, like music focused intervention supports, even like during his speech therapy sessions yeah. has been, has been great. Um, just the other day he was working on like an L sound and he was like holding on to the L too long. And so I was sitting here and of course everything's virtual and the speech therapist is trying to prompt him. And I'm like sitting over here with like tapping a rhythm, you know, and trying to help him like let go of that initial L sound. Yeah. Um, it actually worked. And she was like, thank you for helping, you know? <laughs> uh, so that's been great. Um, also singing is really important for kids um, who have articulation disorders or speech delays um, because it can help them with their airflow placement. So for my son, we work a lot on decreasing hypernasality. Um, with his palate problem, you know, he has a tendency to let air escape through his nose rather than um, using all what we call mouth sounds. And so um, to try to help him to remember, you know, I've got to be intentional about how I say my, my, my words because I don't want don't want air to escape through the wrong way. And so singing is a way to really naturally do that because you have to use the right amount of breath and the right amount of pressure. Um, that it really makes sense to use it in that way. Yes, it does. Like I said, everyone, she's a rock star. She's a rock star oh, mama. She's a rock I mean, star at everything she does. Listen, <laughs> there are many not rock star right. moments. <laughs> it is not pretty all the time. <laughs> As we all experience in parenting, but I think you're just doing, you're just doing such a good job. And um, I'm just so thankful that you've been here to share all the, all the wonderful things that you're doing and um, just so many resources for for parents, for our community, for musicians, for music therapists, and you embody music therapy. Oh, I just seriously you. think you you embody it, and I've known that since I met you. Um, it's just it's it's not only your passion, but it's just the way that you see your life, and I think that's why you and I um, have always gotten along so well, is because we do see our life a lot through the lens of music therapy, and in all the aspects. And I think you've um, you've shown that today. So as we finish up, Amanda, I have just a couple few fun questions for you. Um, so one, what are you reading lately? Yes. Um, well, I am very passionate about uh, social justice um, and equity. So I have actually currently been reading um, the book White Fragility, um, by Robin D'Angelo. It's on the New York Times bestsellers right now list. Um, I would I would recommend it to anyone, especially anyone who um, is working with a diverse group of people um, or anyone who is really tuned in right now and thinking, okay, I need to do some work. I got to do some work on myself, as we mm -hmm. all should, right? As much as we're assessing other people, we got to be assessing ourselves as well. Um, so that is kind of what I'm into reading right now. Um, 
Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And we will um, put a link to all of the information that she has given today. If there are any resources, we will put links to that um, on the show notes. So check those out after, after listening. And we're going to have you back, Amanda. I've already decided on that to Great. just talk about racial injustice and Great. because you have such um, a passion for it and so much knowledge um, and just a really unique um, uh, position on it. And I think that that is such valuable information to share. Yeah. So we will definitely have you back. So everyone be looking and listening for that podcast to come out here in the next month or so. So aside from um, I'm sure Frozen, because you have two littles. What music are you listening to? <laughs> oh, man. It, it, the, the range, like my Spotify looks <laughs> like someone is literally playing roulette with like the type of music I'm listening to. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Jason Mraz recently. Um, my son is really into the Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. Um, because he is like obsessed with superheroes and Marvel and nice. uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what else I was gonna say. You really like nailed it when you said Frozen. <laughs> um, but my kids have developed like a really funny, but like particular infinity affinity for um, <laughs> for Wicked in particular, Defying Gravity. So that's a really like fun opportunity for Brad and I to. Uh, duet, which is actually pretty funny, as we know, there's some like pretty sky high notes in that song, and right. I, you know, I really encourage Brad to take that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're kind of a like a traveling musical, so to speak. I'm loving it so much, and I can just imagine it right now, and it's <laughs> awesome. We're, we're a pretty theatrical family, so it works. It fits. <laughs> It works for you guys. Wonderful. Well, you are a joy to be around. Your whole family is. And I'm so appreciative of you taking time today. And as we close out, are there any other final thoughts on music therapy, self-care, um, or anything that you'd like to share with us um, before we leave today? I think a, a reminder that I received recently um, that I think is really important is just a reminder to protect your energy. Um, whether, you know, you're out there and you're struggling with just feeling like you're being beaten to the ground by long hours, hard hours, or maybe you're worried because you're not getting the hours you need, or, you know, there's any sort of like other stress health wise or whatever it may be, um, for the listeners out there, protect your energy, um, and use it the way that you feel like is best for you. Um, that's the only way we can continue to reach other people is if we have the energy to give. I mean, I'm almost speechless because I think that is probably what, if not all of us, so many of us need to hear because Absolutely. you're right. You're, I mean, you're exactly right. That's that's something that we all have to be conscious of and we only have so much energy and we have to be really selective about where we where we put it and prioritize the things that we we use our energy for right right 
Amanda, thank you. I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your day to be here with us. And um, I, we will have you back. Um, but for, for now, I just wish you the best of luck for this next week um, and for your summer. And um, I'm just so grateful for your, for your presence here today and for all you shared. Thank you for all you're doing for music therapy, for your community, um, for your, your beautiful kiddos and for our community at large. You're just awesome. Thank well, you. Thank you so much. I had a great time being here. I'm super thankful for the opportunities I've had um, through giving song and through music therapy. So I will look forward to coming back. And it was great. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Amanda. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away as much as I did from our conversation with Amanda. So much good information she shared. For all the show notes, links, and resources, please visit us at www.themusictherapypodcast.com. You can also visit us at givingsong.org. Please reach out with any questions or podcast ideas at givingsong at gmail.com. And we always encourage you to share our episodes with your friends and family and your community. Please rate and review wherever you listen. Reviews mean so much and we appreciate your feedback. Until next time, when in doubt, make music.